Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. And while you're turning to Ephesians chapter 6, which is page number 979 in your pew Bibles, Ephesians 6, page 979, while you're turning there, the children ages 3 to 8 are free to be dismissed for the children's Bible lesson with Miss Tina Berg and Miss Marsha, it looks like as well. We're looking at the last few verses of Ephesians today. So this is sermon number 28 and the last one. And so we're just kind of looking at these final um, words through the pen of Paul to the Christians in Ephesus. Or um, most likely, really, this was to be a circular letter to, to travel around to the other churches in that area, which Ephesus is in, on the western coast of modern-day Turkey. And it was a huge city with lots of idols and idol worship that took place there. And certainly there were, there were churches as well because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit through Paul in particular, but others as well. And so he writes to them and he sends the letter through a guy named Tychicus, who we will read about here in just a moment. And what this passage is about is relationships. Or it reminds us of relationships, the importance of Relationships, And it's particularly relationships in the church. And several of you just noted a few minutes ago uh, the importance of relationships in the church. But certainly the principles apply to all relationships, but in particular they apply to relationships in the church. So that's what we're looking at. This final sermon from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 21. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. This is God's Word. Thanks be to God. Lord, please open our eyes now and enable us, I pray, to behold wonderful things through this, your word. Through Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Lisa and I have uh, five grandchildren. Well, six now. We just heard of, of uh, our daughter Priscilla, who's pregnant. So we have six now, one, five out and one in the womb. Um, only Reagan has more than one, and her oldest are Livian and Lila, two girls who are two years apart, and they play alone poorly. <laughs> we send them to their room for time to play apart or something like that, time to play alone. And before you know it, somebody has escaped, and they've crept into the other one's room, and they're playing together, and it's really sweet for about 30 seconds. <laughs> Matter of fact, a lot of times you don't know that one escaped alone time and is playing with the other until you hear somebody start to scream. So it's funny. They can't, um, they can't stay apart from one another. They're drawn to each other, and yet they can't play together. It's just kind of a fascinating sociological fact, I guess. They want to be together, but they can't be together long before somebody's crying or tattling or something like that. Now they're five and three, so we'll give them a break. There's a lot of immaturity there, of course. Uh, you, you sort of expect that with them. 
You don't expect that among adults, especially Christian adults. Why is that? Well, because to be a Christian is to be united to Christ. And that makes you different. That changes everything. It changes all your relationships. And this is one of the themes of Ephesians, this idea of being united to Christ. It's, it's a theme of Ephesians. It begins in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. And you get this phrase, in Christ Jesus, or in Him, over and over and over again in Ephesians. Now, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, Jesus really gives us a great word picture in John chapter 15 uh, when he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. The idea there is of a plant. And, and, or think of a plant that has been grafted together with another plant. There are videos out uh, that, that describe this, just YouTube videos. There's one um, that I was sent after I kind of first explained this m months ago um, about a tree up in New York, I think, that, that uh, a cherry tree or an apple tree or something that, that had all these graftings, and so it produces all these different colors and all these different types of apples. It's really a phenomenal concept. But when this happens, it's not just you or me who are engrafted into Christ. But we become attached to each other as well. We become what the Bible calls the body of Christ. And to be in Christ then makes you in the church. And therefore you're going to be different in relationships. And again, you see that in this passage. That's what, that's what it's about. That's what, that's what we can see here is that there are some unique things, some special things that are unique to Christians um, in their love for each other, in their commitment to each other, in their um, care for one another. Now, just prior to this section, you've got the section on spiritual warfare. I preached three sermons on those uh, 10 or 11 verses. Now we're here at the close of the, of the letter, and, and uh, it, what's mentioned here is, is not necessarily as profound as... And, and, and uh, enlightening or instructive or interesting, maybe even, as that about spiritual warfare and the devil and putting on the whole armor of God and things like that. But there are some things to be learned here. Because to be in Christ, again, is to be uh, in the church, in the body, a part of the body, and that makes you different in your relationships. Makes you show affection, makes you dedicated to communication, and it makes you committed to visitation. So let's look at those three. First is the word affection. To be in Christ makes you in the church, which makes you different in the way that you love others and care for others, that you have affection for others. And you see that in verses 21 and 22. Love, concern, affection for one another. Verse 21, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And certainly in families, there will be love, there will be affection, there will be concern for one another. But these people are not blood relatives. They're spiritual family. 
The Holy Spirit unites people. He unites you, you and me together. And He unites us. There's a bond there. He makes Christians love each other. The Holy Spirit develops love between folks who would not normally be friends. And I was just thinking about you all. You know, this, this church. I mean, we're so different. We're a, a very different crowd. I mean, we have vocation. We have uh, lawyers and, and doctors. We have truck drivers and bulldozer operators. We have stay-at-home moms. We have guys from Brother Brian Ministry. We have people who own their own business. We have people who work in education and in health care and on and on and on. And then think about our church and where people are from. We have people in our church from Russia and Ukraine, Canada, Japan, Congo, China, Korea, Lebanon, Moldova. Well, Antonina from Moldova in a couple of weeks when she marries James. But that's, that's you know, we're a small little church and we have this, this sort of um, representation. So despite all of these differences, I mean, you, you just gave testimony a few minutes ago. Despite all these differences, there's incredible connection. There's love. There's affection. There's concern for each other. It's really a beautiful thing. And the Holy Spirit does it. The Holy Spirit unites people. Gives you love for one another. Now you might say, well, come on. That's just common. You know, that's just a, that's just a, a normal thing for humans to do. Human beings kind of, you know, they look after each other. Well, a couple of thoughts to that. One, yes, it is true because it's a part of God's common grace. It's a part of us being made in the image of God. But it's intensified among Christians and for Christians. It, it is common to, be, to, to human nature to be concerned about others. But the Holy Spirit connects people in deeper ways, more intense ways. So there's greater concern, greater affection among Christians. And the second thing I'll say to that is about, well, it's just normal, you know, normal human behavior. Well, the second thing, it's more pronounced where Christian principles make up the foundation of a society. It's more pronounced where, where, Christians, where there's been a greater Christian influence in society, which is Western, Western, civ, Western society. Western civilization is founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Therefore, it's a part of our DNA in a good way. It, we're living off of that capital. It's not as prevalent in Middle Eastern and Eastern cultures. Certainly there to, to an extent, but not nearly as prevalent there. And of course, what they lack are those civilization, uh, those principles that are foundational to their civilization that are unique to Christianity. The Holy Spirit unites people. He unites Christians. He gives you love for one another, care for one another, affection for one another. What if, what if you admit that in your heart, real deep affection for the church is lacking? That just wasn't that sort of warmth for the body of Christ. Well, I'll give you three options. One, you just may not be a Christian because the Holy Spirit produces that. And so it may be just that you've never really come to Christ. There's never been real faith. The Holy Spirit regenerating your heart, giving you new want-tos, new loves. Or it could be that you're a new Christian and it's just working itself out 
in your life and, and as you grow as a Christian, that will deepen and broaden and become more pronounced. It could be that this word is, is, a, is a little bit iffy, but it is a biblical word as, as well. It could be that you're a carnal Christian or you're, you're carnal in the sense that you're living in sin. You're Christian, but, but you've quenched the Holy Spirit's work in your life. There's a spiritual blockage in your soul. Affection for others, love for others, care for others. It, it is a result of being united to Christ and the Holy Spirit being stirred up and working in our lives, through our lives. When you're united to Christ, you become united to each other. It's, it's as simple as that. And the Holy Spirit makes you like each other. To be in Christ makes you in the church, which makes you different in relationships. You show affection. And then second is the word communication. You're dedicated to communication, communicating with one another, which is what you see here. Tychicus was sent to the Christians in Ephesus with this letter, with this document. Verse 22 again, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Christians are different in relationships by taking actions for the benefit of others. They don't just have warm thoughts for someone. They don't just say, well, I'll pray for you, but they actually do pray. They actually do act in some way. In this case, Paul takes the time to write a letter, written correspondence here. I mean, Paul could have sent this with just some sort of no-name courier. But he sent Tychicus to clarify things, not just that they'd have a letter, but to answer questions that they might have about the letter. And he was sent to relay personal information about Paul, how Paul was really doing. As he was, we believe, most likely at this time that he wrote this, a, a prisoner in Rome. And so they were concerned. They loved Paul. He had led them to faith. He had helped them grow in the, in the Lord. And so they, they very much loved him. They were concerned about him. And so Paul writes the letter. He sends Tychicus not only to help explain and clarify theological things that were mentioned in the letter, but also just to tell about how, how Paul was doing. Again, just one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's not just sentimental feelings. It's actions. So... To be in Christ makes you in the church, which makes you different in relationships, meaning you'll show affection, you'll be dedicated to communication, and then finally, you'll be committed to visitation. In other words, Tychicus here, he was sent to be physically present. You know, they, obviously they didn't have email, they didn't have cell phones. They couldn't give updates via Caring Bridge or Facebook or anything like that. But they could write, and they did. But that's not all Paul did here. He sent Tychicus because physical presence is important. Being physically together is essential even. In another place, um, in talking about sending Timothy to the Christians in Philippi, Paul said, in chapter 2, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Again, 
Paul wanted to send Timothy to be there physically. And think about even how they greeted one another physically. They greeted one another with the kiss that you still see in some Middle Eastern cultures today. Not, um, not much in Western cultures, something we could learn from them. But they greeted one another with a holy kiss. Romans 16, 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 26, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. And there are a couple other places in the New Testament where you see that. One commentary said this about that sort of physical greeting, the holy kiss. He writes, the holy kiss was especially precious in the new believers during the early church years because they were often outcasts from their families because of their new faith. So you think about that. If you had been rejected by your family, how important it would be to find um, fellow believers and to have that sort of physical contact with one another. Of course, also, the holy kiss was a very big deal because you had Jews and Gentiles together in the church of Jesus Christ. The, the Gentiles always feeling like outsiders. They were outsiders, according to the Jews. And so for a Jew to initiate this holy kiss with a Gentile, I mean, that was, that was a massive symbol of we welcome you. We are together now. We are one. It was a physical act. Paul says something like, I long to see you to the Romans, to the Philippians, to the Thessalonians, and then to Timothy as well. Physical um, uh, togetherness, uh, being able to see one another, physical presence is just very, very important. Face-to-face contact, that's what's best. There's just something special about people being bodily present with each other and it just it doesn't happen otherwise and I'm, I'm certainly thankful for digital discipleship if you'll allow that word um, I mean I like to listen to recorded sermons and podcasts and things like that I know many are, are thankful that we live stream our services but we can't rely on that alone face to face physical presence is best there's an old saying um, that you can fake caring, but you can't fake showing up. Pretty true, isn't it? it you, you can make it look like you really are concerned for others, but showing up really proves it, and it, and it, and it adds so much um, to a relationship. Again, to be in Christ makes you... In the church, which makes you different in relationships, affection, communication, visitation. And then this final word here, one more word, progression. So affection, communication, visitation, progression. My thesis for this particular sermon, if you haven't picked it up by now, is that to be in Christ is to be in the church, which makes you different in relationships. The theme for this sermon has a progression and we have to keep it in mind. First of all, we are in Christ. Second, we are different in our relationships. First of all, we are in Christ. Second, we are different in our relationships. And this is what we see when you take that 30,000 foot view for the whole book of Ephesians. Chapters 1 through 3. First, is all about our union with Christ, the spiritual blessings that are ours as Christians. 
all of the good things that God has done for us being in Him. And then second, chapters 4, 5, and 6, how that is to work itself out in our lives. Union with Christ is the theme. Union with Christ always comes first. But that union with Christ always does produce a changed life. But that changed life always follows second. And you can't get those backwards. It's imperative that you keep those in the right order. There's a progression there. First union with Christ, then changed life. If you focus on the changed life part, and if you make a little bit of progress, you'll be self-righteous. You'll be um, uh, critical of others. And, and you'll not feel like you need the Lord. Or you might think that Christ owes you for being so good. So you keep in focus the right order. First of all, union with Christ. And then you let that compel you. You let that control you. You let that motivate you and change you. And I, and I want you to see an example of that. The Ten Commandments. Now you might think, Ten Commandments, wait a second, that's all do this or don't do that. But do you remember the preface to the Ten Commandments? The preface to the Ten Commandments is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. Because of what God has done, how He has brought you to Himself, how He has made you His, a part of His people, and He, and, and he is your God, because of that, because of all that He's done, who, um, the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and for us as Christians, that slavery is slavery to sin, because He's done all that, therefore, then, you shall have no other gods before Me. Therefore, then, in light of what God has done, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Therefore, then, in light of that, you shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, so forth and so on. That's the order, and that's the way it's always got to be kept. We, and with the Ten Commandments, when we understand the preface, then we're motivated to keep the Ten. And that's what Ephesians teaches us as well. You remember your union with Christ, you remember all your blessings, and you let that compel you to live for Him. To be in Christ makes you in the church, which makes you different in relationships. Showing affection, communicating, visiting, and of course remembering the correct progression. Union first, change life second. May that be our memory on the book of Ephesians. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, the church is a glorious thing. And to be united, united to Christ and made a part of it is a, is a great blessing. I pray that You would help us, Lord, to stir up the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we do show affection and are dedicated to communication and involved in visitation. Mostly, Lord, enable us to remember the proper order that different lives in relationships, different behaviors in relationships result from being united to Christ. It's a fruit of being united to Christ and abiding in Him. We thank You for this book of Ephesians which teaches us this so clearly. Through Jesus I pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing this chorus as a hymn of response. Give thanks.
And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. this time today to stimulate your thinking. I'd love a chance to get to know you a little bit better and have some conversation. Please feel free to reach out to me in whatever way is comfortable for you. You can come by the office or I'll buy you lunch or just a cup of coffee. Of course, you can always come by on Sunday mornings and we can meet face to face. Our new service time is 9.30 a.m.